Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of the Big Hearted Podcast. We are super excited to have Susie Willett in with us today. Susie Willett is the owner and operator of a very brand new business called Organised Educator. Susie has over 10 years of experience in family daycare. She was an educator herself, and she has so many solutions to so many problems that educators face when they are doing family daycare education. It is a different kettle of fish. It's super different to long daycare. And, you know, sometimes we are going to feel a bit overwhelmed. Sometimes we are going to feel like we don't know you know, everything and we get a little bit stuck. So Susie is there to help you. She's got a raft of skills. The organisation, that's the thing I froth over. I absolutely love organisation because it makes life so much easier and it gives you so much space. There's a whole heap of free resources that she's offered to today's listeners as well. So make sure you jump into the show notes and download those for yourself because I think they are like brilliant. They're really, really clever and they will be really helpful for educators as they provide education and care for children. So what I'm going to do now is stop yabbering away and let you get listening to today's episode of the Big Hearted Podcast with the Organised Educator, aka Susie Willett. Enjoy. Hello, hello and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Big Hearted Podcast. We are excited we have Susie Willett with us today. She is from the brand new business, The Organised Educator. Susie, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Victoria, for having me. This is such an exciting experience for me. It's so cool. It's fair. We're still fairly new into the world of podcasting, yep. so, you know, I muck things up all the time and and it's all good. We just had a little stop and start because we we stumbled all over ourselves, but we are on the road now. So, Susie, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to become the organised educator? The organised educator, sure. I've done family daycare for over 10 years now. Due to recent events that happened, the flooding in Queensland in particular, my daycare had to close. I've always had a life passion to do organising, professional organising, and so I actually took this time to do some studies and get my certifications. In doing all of this, I've been helping people with their homes and doing some daycare environments and things like that, and then I was just thinking, 
you know, there's other things that I'd love to do in sharing my knowledge and the templates and documents that I do as a family daycare educator and just share them with other educators as well. I'm losing my (laughs) my tongue tie here. So my first business, which was called Professionally Organised, has a sister business called The Organised Educator. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Ah, it's so, so exciting. Look, in Big Hearted Education, we talk a lot about less is more and we really advocate. I know myself, you know, I'm undiagnosed inattentive ADHD, but every time I do the online tests and all the rest of it, like it comes up with emotional, like I find it really difficult to regulate my emotions. My executive function is not very good. And, you know, that comes the inattentive parts of what I do. So for me, I'm also finding a lot of other things in terms of the environment that I am in. If it's visually noisy, I find it really, really difficult to regulate myself. I cannot settle into anything. I cannot focus. There's just too much going on around me and I feel uncomfortable within myself. Do you think that's something that a lot of children face when they're particularly in family daycare because they're in people's homes yeah definitely a cluttered environment well we've probably heard that expression a cluttered environment affects the cluttered mind it makes it really difficult to focus so whether it's your home or whether it's in daycare just having that less is more is so much easier to manage not just in terms of putting things away but in just having that clear space So you know where things go and then you don't have to struggle with all the other stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've just spent literally three days this week clearing through my house. Like when COVID hit and no talking lockdowns back in 2020, I was like, (laughs) yes, I'm going to declutter my house. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to be stuck at home and I'm just going to go through my house like a maniac and like chuck stuff out. And that never happened because we had to keep working, obviously. So I don't know, the bug just hit me. We've had all this rain and all of my baskets that we had all our clothes in the wardrobe were like so wet. They were really wet at the back that they actually started rusting. So Mm -hmm. I've had to chuck a whole heap of clothes out because they got rust all over them. But what it's forced me to do is to, I binged on the home edit. (laughs) And I looked at how they, you know, categorised and ordered and I know you have a really snappy little line that goes along with that. Is it space, is it? Is that what it was, space? It's very similar, yeah, and off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's just making everything, you know, organising it in different ways. I've been following the home edit as well, but I also follow Clutterbug. I don't know if you heard about Clutterbug. Oh, I'm a total ladybug. I look great on the outside, but there's so much happening underneath and behind every closed door, not anymore. Yeah, because there's four different organising styles. If Most people think that there's just the one or maybe two, but there's actually four. There's You might like to have things in boxes, clear boxes or solid boxes so that you don't see everything. That's one style, having something that's solid, or you can have it clear. For family daycare, most of the time we have things in clear because we like to see grab and go. But some people, again, if you like the solid, then you just have labels everywhere. Yeah. 
And then inside those boxes, so this is where we find number three and four, the organising style, you might just dump everything or you might have them all in individual categories. You might have baggies inside that container. So, yeah, just part of what I'm I'm learning in my organising training and what I impart to educators and other people when I do their homes and environments, I'm helping them to identify how what their organising style is and then help them to organise that environment so that it best suits them yeah. and for the children or the family who use that space because yeah. not one one size fits all. It doesn't work like that. No, yeah. and every environment is different too. So you might move house or <laughs> change your daycare space. You might move from one room to another and what worked in one space isn't always going to work in another. And mm-hmm. it might also come down to the children that use the service as well, like you say, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have boxes out with a whole heap of stuff in it if you've got the children that are going through the tipping out you know, stage. Mm. And you know, it's, for me, I just always looked at that and I provided things that were okay for them to do that and yeah. to experience that and work through that and really dive into it. But I wasn't going to have a whole heap of puzzles because, you know, really accessible because that's what they're going to do is tip them all out. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to get that, you know, one size, as you say, certainly does not fit all. Mm. And it's not always about you. It's about the people that you service, yeah. clients yeah. that you have in your space too. Yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting, you know, thing to think about. We very much advocate for a place for everything because that empowers the children to know where things go when it's time to put things away. Yes. So you also do a lot of templates and things like that. You've actually got... Well, I really loved the idea of this, the raise the alarm, keep us from harm. Yeah. Duff, uh, do you want to touch on that for us? Sure. So some of the things that I'm going to be providing, obviously, as a new service at the moment, so the website is still growing and developing as things come out. One of the brochures and articles that I will have is a flyer that educators can access for free. We'll put the link in there as well. But it's a flyer that you can print off and it's just got a picture of a fire. And it says on the bottom, raise the alarm and keep us from harm. Now, I used, as an educator, I use these around my service when I did fire evacuation drills because when you're doing a drill, you don't want to be the one who's always saying, oh, look, it's 2 o'clock, we have to go and do a drill now. It shouldn't be dictated by the educator. It should be very random and very natural. Not that the fire is natural, (laughs) but the event of doing an evacuation drill or any drill of that nature. So I've got these cards that educators will be able to access. You can print your own copy. I put them up in my environment, whether it's inside the room or outside in the play area. But before I do that even, I talk to the children. I show them what the picture is. I explain that if you see this, you need to, what you need to do, you need to let me know. So you've seen a picture of a fire. So you need to raise the alarm and keep us from harm, which means you need to come and tell me I've found a fire. And then we do the steps of the evacuation drill. Everybody knows what that is because we've been practicing it so much. I had a little boy in my care who had some really bad separation anxiety. And it came time that we were doing this evacuation drill. And he was the one that found the poster. 
something snapped in him. He just went from timid and crying and he knew exactly what to do. He saw that poster. He told us that there was a fire. He got the kids and he was directing me. We did the evacuation drill. Everything was recorded. I told his mum at the end and just how he was such a different person. And she said that's because we had just experienced an evacuation drill of our own when we were on recent holiday. So this little poster of mine that I created somehow connected and helped him in a way that I didn't even know but also gave him more ownership. Yep. Anyway, long story short, so I've got these posters. Awesome. <laughs> so educators can get one. There's one for fire, see if you see a fire or if you see a smoke or if there's a stranger. So there'll be instructions on to what they all mean and how to use them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's such a great provocation. And like you say, I really like that idea that it's not always the educator going, okay, we're going to practice our fire drill now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really valuable and it gives the children that ownership. And I love how he was able to bring, you know, learning from outside of the educational environment into the educational environment. And, Mm. you know, that's an empowered little guy there who knows how to transfer knowledge. It was awesome. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is what children do. And we have to give them credit where credit is due because quite often we don't, you know, acknowledge that they do pick up this stuff and they do understand it. So putting that firmly in their hands because they will take that information. If they see a fire, they're mm. going to go and tell someone important that, oh, my, you know, I see a fire. Yeah. And they will take that knowledge with them outside, you know, whereas if we're always leading that pathway for them, mm. then they'll, you know, they don't know what to do. So I think that's a really valuable and really clever thing that you've created there, you know, especially with the stranger danger and the smoke and the intruders and things like that too. I think it's such a, a valuable yeah. valuable tool and I think every educator listening to this should go and download those. We'll put the link to them in the show notes. So when you go to the website and you see this podcast, you'll see the show notes and the information will be there for you. If you've struggled to find the show notes, just let us know and we'll point you in the right direction. So I just think that's incredible. And, you know, what a gift to share. And see, this is what I love about supporting each other within our professions, you know, is that we work together and we share this information because that's really what teaching is all about. It's a sharing of knowledge and a sharing of wisdom, you know. And, yes, we should be paid for that too, you know, but the generosity of that is really special and I just think that's a really great tool that educators can add to their toolbox and I'm just devastated I didn't think of it first. (laughs) You've got a lot of good ideas of your own, Victoria. I wish that I'd had. So we balance the scales. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, and this is why I was so excited to have you on because, you know, we're a few, we've recorded this a few months ago now by the time this comes out. But you're just brand new and, like, it's just it's so exciting to be able to share and help get the word out about what you do because, you know, if someone hears a message from us and it doesn't land for them, 
it might land from you. And that's mm. such a great thing for the children because this is what we're all here for. Yeah. We're all here to assist each other and to have the highest goods of the children met. Exactly. And, and sometimes as educators we get stuck in a bit of a rut and I think that's where like something like what you do with this organisation, having someone else come into your space and it doesn't, you don't have to physically do it, you can do this via Zoom too. Yeah. And just looking at a space and giving different ideas and seeing a space from a different perspective. And with your, like I didn't even know there were qualifications around organisation. I think that's just blown my mind and I reckon that's super cool. You know, you having those skills and being able to impart that knowledge because it's obviously a knowledge base that you've got there. Yeah can really assist educators if they're feeling stuck. So what are the other services that you offer other than, you know, the templates and things? Like do you want to, like, drill down and let everybody know what it is that you actually do? Yeah, so there's different services that I can be providing. So if an educator has got, let's just say you've got a document that you want to create or you want to work out how to better put the word out about your business and your marketing, So I can work with you to either we create your website or we can create some documents related to whatever it is that you're wanting to do. There's lots of little cool things that's happening with technology these days. So even, you know, QR codes and scanning things, everybody's used to seeing those and they know exactly how to use them. So we use them to our advantage. So there's virtual assistant type work where I can help you to do the documenting and not your own daycare documenting. That's all your job. Mine is more the the paperwork side of things. So it's helping you organise from the ground up, basically, which is what I do for my business. But not just that, I'm going to be creating a whole lot of templates for risk assessments and family daycare related things and curriculum packs that I have used to create in the past and I've got hundreds of them so many different themes I used to be a Montessori educator I say used to but I still am in a way so putting things in a curriculum that can be used whether it's Montessori or not but everything is linked to the EYLF to the my words aren't coming (laughs) but anyway so everything is linked as an educator and there's user guides and activity planning and everything like that is there so that you can just pick and choose what you want to use from my things if that's what you're wanting to do and then you just incorporate it into your program. No need to rewrite anything. I'm not trying to provide a service that takes over the writing of documenting and templates and stuff like that. That's not me. I can easily do it, but I don't want to be doing that and taking away from other people who are already doing such a wonderful job anyway. My job that I see is to be somebody who can help you organise your space or organise your paperwork and getting things set up so that you can function during the day, looking after yourself, your family, the children, and not having to stress out because you haven't got those basic steps in place or maybe you do and they've just slipped away. So it's just helping to get everything back on level, you know, that restart that we all like to have. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably the one thing or one of the many, but what the loudest thing is that educators, once they go off track, it happens to me too. Like if I 
like I haven't been to the gym in weeks because the front road is closed and it's an hour to drive there and an hour to drive back, you know, and I've got a gym I can go to, my home gym at my brother's place, you know, but now that it's been a couple of weeks because I injured my back and I had to have a couple of weeks off, it's really hard to get back onto that horse. Mm. And part of that is because it's a different setup there. So things are a little bit different. There isn't the system that I'm used to at the gym that I go to. Mm. And I've always found that, you know, change can be really difficult to work with. For me, I'm talking about myself. Mm. I find change can be really difficult. And there's been such a tremendous amount of change within our, our profession in the last few years. And I think we're not through the thick of it yet. We've got a new government coming in July next year. There's going to be more change how that looks yet we don't know so you know this is the thing with life though is nothing is ever set in stone so having someone if you are off track and knowing that you're so overwhelmed that your overwhelm is overwhelmed yeah. <laughs> knowing that there's someone who can come in and go righto this is exactly what I do I'm just gonna you know get this moving for you again can be just the kind of thing that you know you need to get you back on track and get you moving again. Mm-hmm. And if you can come along with systems that are, you know, systems that will last, that are, you know, have longevity to them, because quite often I do things the hard way and I don't even realise I'm doing it the hard way. Yeah. It's not until someone comes in with that analytical mindset that goes, oh, Victoria, there's 15 steps here. Do you know you can do this in four? And mm-hmm. I go, What? <laughs> For four years exactly the hard way you're telling me I could do it in the snap of my what <laughs> so I'm imagining that's the kind of thing yes. that you're going to be really really good at yeah sharing with educators that's so yeah. cool I wish you yeah. were around when I was an <laughs> well my background is administration and marketing um and then childcare. So now I'm able to just combine everything and mash it all up together and this is what's coming out. So I'm really looking forward to being able to help as many educators as I can, those who would like to get my assistance because this is something that I've been really passionate about is always helping educators, whether it's as an educator myself or whether I've done other roles like being a mentor and education coordinator. So, you know, just everything has moulded together to produce this yeah 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 I think you know the thing with family daycare and that makes it so different is that you are the director of Mm. a small center really you've got to do everything some people are lucky to be with a scheme that will handle the fees and some schemes you know pick up a bit more than what others do you know they all you know pull the twine in different places but and I just completely made that saying up and so it makes absolutely zero <laughs> sense. <laughs> you know, they fold the blanket differently. That still makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, services offer and have different strengths. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so when you're with a service that maybe doesn't have a strength where you also don't have a strength, as a micro business owner, Like we don't have the luxury of being able to go, oh, well, someone else will pick up that slack Mm. because there is no one else to pick up. 
you know, and this is, I think, something that family daycare educators really need to just swallow that pill and get that, yeah, actually, we are micro business owners and mm-hmm. it's all on me. And I think one of the really great things about business, though, is that you can get outside help. We have to take into consideration confidentiality and all that kind of stuff, but there's different areas within your micro business as a family daycare educator that you can outsource. Mm. And, and I think educators, you know, if they get themselves into those positions where they are overwhelmed and they, you know, don't know where to turn, then having someone who can come in and just go, okay, well, here's a system here, here's a system there, here's a system there, and once you've got it, you've got it, and then mm. they can weak things too Mm. yeah exactly ah that's so good I love that and I love the idea of your risk assessment templates too because I know like that's a really like risk assessments you can't tell everything you can never know and foresee what's going to happen no but being able to really put some thought process into the risk assessments it's so important because if anything goes wrong, the government yeah. will come in and really look through everything with a fine tooth yep. comb. And they don't care. Like they're not going to go, oh, you had a rough morning. Oh, yeah, we'll take that into con-. They don't care. That's their job. That buck stops with them. Yeah. That's their role. So these templates that you have, do you want to talk a little bit about them? Yeah, so obviously as an educator, you have to write risk assessments or at least all the schemes that I've been with, we write our own risk assessment. And I suppose, again, growing up and my background, I have just found these to be really easy to do. I just think of things differently, I suppose, and I can really analyse the situation from multiple angles and just document everything. I document absolutely everything that could possibly happen because you want to make sure that you're covered. You don't want to exclude something just because it might look too wordy. I would rather have something that is multiple pages versus just a one-page simple thing. So the risk assessments that I'm going to be preparing or have making available, which will be on my website as well, they range from lots of different things from the indoor environment to the outdoor environment to going out on excursions, not necessarily venue-based. However, you can hire me as a virtual assistant and I can go and do a risk assessment there and then prepare that for you. But it's having all of that information available in a document that you can access. So let's just say your environment has got a sandpit and it's got a swing set and what's something else? Oh, let's say nappy changing, for example, because we all have all of that. So you'll go to my website and you can see that there's risk assessments created for all of these. So you can go in. Now, this will be a member access just so that you'll be able to log in and keep access to all of the ones that you have downloaded. So you'll be able to open that file. It will have information about how it links to the NQS, information there as to why things are important. And then further down has information about what the assessors will look for and what they will want to see and they will discuss. All of this comes from the NQS, so it's nothing new, but it's just putting it all together based on different activities and different events that might be happening. And then 
you'll have a section where there's the actual risk assessment. So it's identifying the risks. You will then have to put your matrix in as to how that affects you and your environment. But then I'll give you some suggestions on how you can manage it. And then again, that's up to you as to how you manage it. But I'm giving you the wording and giving you the understanding of what you need to be considering when you have this type of activity or something happening in your environment. Maybe it's sleeping children, in babies in cots, babies on floor beds, different age children, how you manage all of that. So there's so many risk assessments. There's a lot. <laughs> you can have a look. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot. And I'm part of an approved provider leadership program at the moment. And at the end of the day, the buck stops with the approved provider. But if an educator has put a risk assessment in place, educators need to be aware that they are duty bound to be following that risk assessment to the T. Mm. So if an educator has this risk assessment that they've put in place, the approved provider must sign off on that and approve it firstly but Mm -hmm. secondly once that's written down if something happens and it's investigated and the educator hasn't followed their own risk assessment there's trouble in little china let me Mm -hmm. tell you Mm -hmm. Um, and it won't be that will be on the educator so educators need to be very very aware that when they're purchasing templates and things like that that they need to really read them and understand them and be able to put that into practice because if they aren't able to practice it, there's no point in having this whiz-bang risk assessment there if they aren't following it because they're going to put themselves in trouble. So, Mm -hmm. And I know that's why a lot of educators get a little bit like, oh, risk assessments, I don't know, and they just keep it really basic and simple. Sometimes they're too simple and there's just not, you can see that not a lot of thought or not enough thought has gone into it. So I think that's a really great service that you'll be offering educators. They just need to be aware, though, that whatever is Mm. on there is something that they have to follow. Exactly. And all the templates will have that specifically there. This is a guide. Anything that you extract, use from this document is on your own understanding that this is why you have to do it there's some educators that I know they find it really difficult to write up a risk assessment and then when I sit down with them and we go through okay this is the activity what do you see as an issue and then they will identify something I say okay well what happens if oh well then this would happen okay well what happened if this happened the educators know it they know all this yeah, But it's extracting it and putting it on paper. Yeah. So that's why these templates will offer some suggestions of what you should be looking for yeah. and just to help you put the document together. But, again, it's up to the educator that anything that is utilised from this document is with their understanding and Yeah, they have to be able to do it. There's no point in putting it in there if they're not going to be able to do it. And this is what I really, the value in risk assessment, and I know that they're a bit arduous and it's paperwork and, (laughs) uh, you know, it's I'm not a fan of doing risk assessments. However, Mm -hmm. the value in doing risk assessments, as you say, is 
looking at the potential things that could happen, when mm. an educator has actually gone and done that and sat through that process, when they are doing that excursion or that experience, that's in there and yes. they already have a roadmap and a blueprint as to what they can do in that scenario. It's not like they're going to be standing there at a public toilet going, oh, I've got seven children with me because I'm doing vacation care too. How am I going to get them all in the toilet? Mm-hmm. It's, a, like, it's a single toilet. Like how am I going to manage that? They will already have covered that in their risk assessment process. So that's actually not going to be something that they have to try and deal with on the spot because yeah. when you're dealing with something on the spot, you've got seven children over there, suddenly your attention is split in two different mm-hmm. ways. So I really think, you know, that is an area that educators struggle 100%. Mm. And I think it's really great that they'll have somewhere where they can go to Mm. be able to ease that burden and make it not so difficult and have someone work through that with them. I think that's awesome. I hope a lot of educators, you know, will go and have a look and take some of that on board because I really advocate for risky play. I really think risky play is really important there's a level though, <laughs> you know, and there's a level when they're not your children. There's a way to do risky play so that you can allow children to feel that inside themselves yeah. but without putting you, the educator, at risk or that child at unnecessary physical risk, you know, harm of physical risk of physical harm, whatever. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You know, it can't be in family daycare as well, especially we are kind of under the microscope. And look, risk assessments and policies and procedures, we've just seen that really unfortunate event last year and this year where the children were left in those buses. You know, and the first time when the little fellow up in Cairns was left in the bus, like, so devastating and then reform happened and like we all went through you know all these excursion logs that we have to use in Queensland and whatnot now you know and it still happened so human error is still there but when stuff like that happens when a child is injured it's the government's job to come in and see why because then that information gets shared So, you know, I think it's a really valuable service that you'll be providing for educators. It's good, good. I like to hear that. (laughs) As an approved provider, you know, it just kind of makes me go, oh, because I know not everybody is as diligent and, like, you just can't muck around with stuff like this at all. So it's super important. So your curriculum links and stuff like that, are they kind of all come from that Montessori feeling or are they a lot more open? They're very open. So it's categorised in the Montessori way. So we have just like headings. So you'll have practical life, which most people understand what practical life is anyway, which is like scooping and pouring and beading and all those things. But then there's sensorial type of activities and whether it's Montessori based or not, we all know what sensorial type of work is. And then there's language and maths, outdoor activities, physical education. So these curriculums are quite lengthy within that they provide a lot of variety for educators to select from. 
and every activity has an age code. So that'll help you identify instantly, you know, what you can do for a child aged, you know, zero to two and above. And then it has the EYLF, MTOP codes in there. Again, that's just to help you with your documenting. Some activities may have an extension idea. And then because these are all sourced, I haven't created them all myself. I'd love to be able to create all of this, but my daycare room and everything like that will be just covered with activities so these are activities that I've sourced outside but they've all got the links so that you can follow them as well yeah all these activities there so that you can choose from it'll have information on how you these are theme based I think I mentioned so some educators like to use themes others don't and that's a personal choice but if you were to use it it has information about how to share it with your families why the benefits of using this topic, how it might link in with other ones, activities that your families can do outside of being in childcare. It'll have information to help you mind map and to do your planning, how you can extend on things in the future or if you're coming back to it, just some other ideas. So there's a lot involved in all of that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I wasn't sort of a theme. Maybe you could look at the way I program and I teach other people to program. We do 12-week seasonal planning. I come from a Steiner influence. Yeah. And so we plan seasonally, so the whole season filters <laughs> into what we do. I suppose you could say that's a theme, but it's more of a natural way of bringing the children's awareness and awakening to mm. these things that happen every year. But I also then broke my day down, my week down into days. So Monday might be cooking day, Tuesday might be painting yeah. day, Wednesday might be craft day, Thursday might be gardening, Friday could be excursion day, and then we swap those days around with the idea being that the children get to deeply immerse themselves in that particular topic in the intentional teaching space for, you know, 12 or 13 weeks depending on the season you know that they really get to deep dive into that topic and we really explore I've got a couple of educators within our service Rainbow Bridge who are Montessori based and just mind-blowing the level of education and knowledge that they have as educators to just be able to like look at where the children are at and go, oh, I know what's coming next for them. And they have these incredible resources, you know, scope and sequences and all that sort of stuff that comes out that I just am totally in awe with. And I just think that's a really valuable thing to be able to share too. Obviously, you know, the way they do it, they've studied, they've gone on and done further additional study and that's a whole other skill set there. But even to just be able to touch the surface, it may inspire some educators to go, yeah, you know, this really resonates with me and Mm. I'm going to go and do further work on that. Yeah, and to be able to practice before they commit to something like that using curriculums and things like that and, you know, just having a bit of a guidance too can be, I know when I first started educating, I look at what I was doing and I just cringe (laughs) at the stuff I used to do, you know, because I didn't know any better and then it's not until you get along in your journey as an educator and you start reading and are exposed to other people and other ways of doing things 
that you start really critically reflecting on your own work and you start mm. putting different things in. You know, and, of course, as we evolve as humans too, we learn more. I mean, trauma-based stuff didn't even come into the equation until, I don't know, a year or two ago. Maybe mm. it was a little bit before that, but it's quite, you know, if you're talking about trauma-informed care now, so many more people know what that means. Mm. If you had said that five years ago, people would have been like, what? So we evolve as educators because more information comes out about human psychology as we go along, you know, but for educators who are feeling uncertain or overwhelmed or whatever, these kinds of resources are invaluable because it gives them a solid ground mm -hmm. and a confidence when they're delivering things to children or providing things for children. And I think it's a really, you know, it's a great way and it can help open people's, you know, horizons, yeah. new ways of doing and being. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I can't wait to see all this because it's not all there yet. I it's not a, all there yet. It's coming. <laughs> you know, hopefully by the time people listen to this, we'll have it all up. And they'll yeah. be talking about this. Yeah. I mean, and cool. just back on the curriculums, you may not be doing themes like every month is a different theme topic and stuff like that. That's not necessarily what I'm referring to. But if you've got a child who's got this fascinating interest in bugs and insects and you're going, okay, what am I supposed to do now? I yeah. need ideas. Yeah. My resources can help you there. Yeah. Or little child's got this thing. We have been dealing with cars and trucks for months now and I just need to, how can I extend on it? But also branching it out into a different area that will integrate that topic yeah. and expand it. So, yeah, it's more than just doing one month per theme type of thing. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. I think that that's really cool too because, you know, I only know what I know and yes. what I know were the strengths within my service but then there were other children that did come in who like far exceeded my level of knowledge. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. There were some really smart kids that came through my service that would yeah. teach me things. Lots of the children taught me things, but some kids would be like, you know, the dinosaur kids. I don't remember what dinosaur is. <laughs> like, you know, come on. It was why do I need to know that? But some kids really fixate and hyperfix on that and they are so knowledgeable. So for me, you know, like, being, if I've got a dinosaur child, obsessed child, you know, I have no interest in, like, I'll learn things for them, but I'm not going to retain it and it doesn't come easily to me. Just like if I was to try and teach them to cook, they may not, they'll do it, but they're not, their heart's not really in it and that's okay. So being able to access these resources, you know, and I'm sure you've got a huge variety of topics there, and knowing where to get them from too is going to be really valuable for a lot of people, I think. And, yeah, oh, that's really cool. Yes. Again, I wish you were around when I was in it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So you've also got this. We'll talk about this one last thing and then we might wrap up for the day. And I'm super excited about this because I mentioned on Stories ages ago we were going to record and then you and your little fella got really sick so we had to postpone it. 
But I mentioned about the organised educator and someone or a few people went online and downloaded your 30-day FDC clutter checklist. Do you want yes. to just tell us all about this? <laughs> so it's a free document that everybody can access. It's just on my website at the moment. It's just a list of different areas in a family daycare environment versus a normal home because you probably see a lot of these declutter challenges for your home and do the junk drawer, do this and do that. But I've tweaked it so that it has a family daycare focus so that you're doing things that relate to your environment and to your business. So, yeah, it's a free resource. Anyone can access it. It's just on the website. That's so good. That's so good. Anyone that's followed us for a while will know that we love this less is more approach for several reasons. We talked about that visual noise and that being quite overwhelming for not only children, but educators and families as well. Secondly, I think a less is more approach is, is a really professional way to present your business. I know when I walk into shops and there's so much clutter around there, I'm like I'm so worried that I'm going to knock something over and, you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. I think it to create that space makes things feel less chaotic and busy. And when you've got hand, foot and mouth or gastro or something, like you've literally got to clean everything in your service. Yeah. If you've got like stuff everywhere, I don't know how people manage that. Like I really don't. So <laughs> I think, you know, there's definite benefits to decluttering a space. Not only that, but as you said before, to me I've always thought even I remember being a 16-year-old and my room was horrific. It wasn't until I got interested in a boy that I was like, oh, my goodness, I think I need to clean this up. And I remember having that moment of like, oh, messy room, messy mind. You know, like things are just easier when there's order and, you know, space in your environment. It's easier in your brain. Yeah. I really, and I think children pick up on that too. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, this has been so good. <laughs> What's your website so that people can go and follow it? It's simply theorganizededucator.com.au. Cool. And you're on socials too? I'm on socials. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll put all of that in the show notes so that people can go and follow you. Yep. Are you the organized educator on Facebook and Insta or? Insta is yet to come, but it will be there by the time that this goes live. I'll make sure that the addresses are all correct and then we have them on the show notes. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time, Susie. I've gotten a lot out of it and I hope that our listeners have as well. If anyone's got any questions, you can email us at podcast at bigheartededucation.com or you can send us a message and if anyone wants to get in touch with Susie and they can't manage to find the show notes or whatever just let us know and we'll hook you all up together because I just think there's some really valuable tools here that educators can really take advantage yeah. of and yeah it's been so good to have <laughs> you on thank you so much for your time and oh, thank uh, you <laughs> we will chat again I am sure well, thank you very much everybody have a beautiful day wherever you are big love thank you Hi friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. 
We love feedback. So if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.